for you, what's the biggest reward so far? I don't know. I think it's the just the day to day. Like every now and then I actually just sit back and think like, wow, I opened a brewery and I work here every day and we do these things, you know, like, I don't know, just like being able to actually just live in the moment every now and then. Um, and also, and I managed to find some awesome people to work with. Like every, you know, our, we've only got five people, uh, you know, and uh, we all really like each other and get along and like, <laughs> like having each other as coworkers. So like, I don't know, every now and then just like actually living the dream and realizing that I'm living the dream sometimes is, you know, super rewarding. Yeah. Nice. Cheers that's, to that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Do you know what sounds nice right now? What? A beer. Do you know where? No, where? On the river. On the river. We're not near a river. We actually are, but we're not near the river that I was thinking about being near of. <laughs> I guess we are near a little bit of a river here. We're near a river um, outside of Trent, South Dakota, but I was thinking that a beer on one of the... I'm not very prepared for this because I actually don't know what rivers flow into Mobile Bay in Mobile, I Alabama. But anyhow, <laughs> I don't know that either. I think but, it's a bunch of little ones. But, but, but Braided River Brewing in Mobile, Alabama, that's what we're talking, that's what we're talking about this podcast. And, and having um, a beer on a river, on a kayak, when it's warm, sounds beautiful right now. <laughs> yeah, considering it's about 35 degrees and gray and breezy here. <laughs> At least it's not snowing. <laughs> well, it's springtime, but that's what I mean. Like It's, it's springtime, like... but it's early spring in South yeah. Dakota, which is, uh, you know, weather's a little hit and miss on days. So, so talking to David Nelson, the founder and uh, yeah, the founder of Braided River Brewing Company in Mobile, Alabama, sounds just kind of like heavenly right now, drinking a beer floating on the river. But we're talking to David, who um, on his ideal day actually would not have been opening his brewery during a <laughs> pandemic. Well, he didn't open during the pandemic. He opened right before. Right before it. Well. I guess it depends on when you consider the start of the pandemic, yeah. I suppose. February 2020, he opened Braided River. So basically, a brand new brewery is already tough enough. And then when you have a brand new brewery dealing with the pandemic, <laughs> which is really kind of cool, actually. We've talked to a few people who have opened a brewery during the pandemic. Because what are you supposed yeah. to do? Just completely stop everything you've been planning? No. You could, but that's just like, okay, I, I quit. I'm, what are you going to do? You didn't get there by having that kind of attitude. And, you know, there's a lot of we, we all thought when this thing started roll, this pandemic thing started rolling back in last spring that tons of breweries and other businesses as well. were going to shut down and a lot have. But I don't think to the degree we thought was going to happen because and I think because of the ingenuity and the creativity of just entrepreneurs in general, but also especially in the craft beer business. So this is another brewery interview that we, um, well, we kind of should be ashamed of not getting to this one, but not really because there's so many breweries. Oh, but getting we've, to the brewery? We've always been to, yeah. when we go to Alabama, we are generally up north at Lake Gunnersville, um, or we're south at around Gulf Shores and Foley because that's where we have family in the south. Well, and you would think Gulf Shores, oh, you're a stone's throw away from Mobile, right? 
we should just be over there checking out all the breweries. We should, but, but we didn't. But my brother lives there in Foley, and so, Gulf Shores. In Foley, which is Gulf Shores area, basically. And so we spend most of our time with our family down there. And you know, they're not the craft beer geeks that we are. Surprise, surprise. But <laughs> so we don't we don't end up spending much time going over into Mobile, really. So there are a couple good breweries around the area, though. So we go to Big Beach Brewing in in uh, Gulf Shores. And then we also go to Fairhope Brewing in Fairhope, which is a town just a few minutes away. So those are our two craft beer haunts down there. Yeah. But, but the next time we go back, we'll definitely hit up. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, next time we go back to visit my brother or whatever, we got to stop at Brady River now because you made, we made the connection now with David, though. So And that, make, that makes a big difference on, you know, whether you're going to just go explore a little bit and maybe find some cool breweries or we know this is going to be cool because after talking to david it's going to be a cool brewery. well the braided river is like this analogy of braided just different things coming together and it might be a river that comes together to keep you know things flowing but it could be like the whole craft beer industry that comes together to keep things flowing so the reason we're doing this interview and we haven't met david or we haven't and we haven't been to braided river is because this is another one of our series where we've teamed up with malt europe so since we work with malt europe malting company and they want um they have been they actually have been highlighting a series of craft breweries that they work with for american craft beer week coming up in may and this is kind of a partnership between us, and this is why we are lucky enough to meet David without actually meeting him face-to-face. Um, so thanks to Malt Europe Malting Company for kind of putting this series together, and we're grateful that we get to meet all these different people that we haven't met yet. Another thing that's really cool, though, when we do these um, interviews partnering up with Malt Europe is that we get to also um, talk with their craft sales managers. So because we've met the different brewers around the country that work with Malt Europe, we also have met the craft sales managers that work with the brewers. So on this interview, you'll also hear um, Galen a little bit. Galen Smith, he's uh, the Southeastern State's craft sales manager for Malt Europe. So it's kind of cool just to get to hear a little bit of um, their take on all the things that are going on in the world today, too. So you'll hear from Galen a little bit as well. Yeah, and, you know, Galen is one of the people on the craft sales team that, you know, he comes from a brewing background and is a longtime brewer, like, I think 20-some years or something, and has some connections there, and you'll see that in the interview. So it's, it's cool how it just continues throughout. Oh, yeah. yeah. So even though we haven't been fortunate enough to go to Braided River just yet, we did get to talk with David and learn all about Braided River and how he got started and how he even ended up in Mobile with his wife and stuff like that. So with that, here's David. So my name's David Nelson, uh, and I'm the founder of Braided River Brewing in Mobile, Alabama. Um, I was a uh, brewer in North Carolina uh, for several years before moving to Mobile uh, for my wife's job in 2017. Um, And so, uh, Came down here and the, the Mobile Gulf Coast scene just seemed a lot like North Carolina had, you know, when I had started uh, in that scene, you know, 10 or 15 years prior. And so just saw the opportunity and had a lot of uh, experience and knowledge. And so got to work trying to figure out how to uh, start my own place and kind of uh, uh, made that happen. Uh, we opened in February of 2020 
Uh, so it was a long, long road getting to that point. But, uh, and then we had about six weeks of uh, pre-pandemic to figure things out, and then a whole new year before, a whole new year after that. Um, but uh, I was originally a uh, chemist, worked in a toxicology lab, and uh, had been homebrewing. Followed that passion uh, for a while, and uh, uh, one day on a brewery tour. The brewery uh, mentioned, uh, you know, they, they like to get volunteer, have volunteers come by. And at that time, I was working a Tuesday through Saturday shift. So I was like, oh, I could come by on Mondays. So I started doing that. And the head brewer there, uh, Galen, uh, <laughs> enough to uh, just have me keep coming back on Mondays. And so that kind of started the transition out of uh, chemistry to brewing. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I think Galen and I have stayed connected <laughs> since then pretty well, yeah. So you left a really low-paying job for a really high-paying job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a, a medium-paying job or less than medium, but, it, you know, it climbed over time, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now that you have your own brewery, I'm sure you're making even more money per hour. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, now I'm back down to what I started out as. <laughs> absolutely yeah glamorous life yeah for sure but it's fun so oh yeah can you tell us more about like how the name came to play braided river and where that's from yeah. so when i moved down here um i was uh i was really just looking for you know things to do uh in this area and had come across uh these articles and uh, a documentary uh, actually about the Mobile Delta. It's America's Amazon, nicknamed, because it's the most biodiverse place in North America. Um, and just finding out all these super cool things about this, you know, this area, uh, Mobile Bay and the Delta. And uh, I, I had just been reading a lot about that and interested and like we were trying to kind of get out, go to state parks and stuff around here to do things. and. Uh, while I was trying to create the brewery. And so, you know, I uh, was kind of like in both of those worlds at the same time and then came across this idea with the Braided River, which is what um, is geologically what's happening in the Delta as multiple rivers flow into Mobile Bay. They slow down, spread out and start crossing paths with each other. And that forms this Braided River system. And I liked that as an analog to what I was trying to do with a brewery because like what, what I think is pretty cool about craft beer is that like you make those little connections, that little braiding of community, like beer is such a great way to connect with people and build community. Like it's somebody you meet at a bar and you have a great conversation with just that one night and you may never ever see that person again, but your paths have crossed that way. And so just the whole, like, I don't know, the whole way craft beer can kind of be that network. I saw the parallel there and uh, decided to lean into that with the name. Love, yeah, Very I cool. love that. That's exactly everything that we always think about when we ever visit breweries. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then it gives us something too, like, uh, uh, you know, what I like doing here is taking some beer out on the water in like a kayak or canoe or whatever and like go into the beach and stuff and so kind of highlighting the the cool area that we live in as just part of the brand just makes things 
really easy from, I don't know, the brand or marketing side of things. It's like, well, this is what we want to be doing. We want to be drinking beer outside in a kayak. So that's great. We'll just, yeah, have that as our thing. Mobile is, uh, it's a very spread out and long city, but yeah, we're uh, in the downtown area. And this is where I kind of saw the analog with like, uh, the triangle, like, uh, when I was living there, when actually, when I moved there in like 2006 or so, um, and Galen lived there a lot longer than that, but like Raleigh, Durham at that time, people did never really go downtown. Mm-hmm. There were things, other places. And then you saw this big downtown revitalization. And then that was kind of the same thing that had been happening in Mobile when I moved here. Downtown had not had a lot going on, but in the last several years, we've got a lot of restaurants and other things happening. And so you could actually, you know, I had the opportunity to be like, have enough space to have a production brewery, but still be downtown, which, you know, is really hard to find this day and age. You know, we're cutting it close on both. We don't have a ton of room to expand. And we're not like in downtown proper. Like there's one main drag of downtown and we're three blocks off of it. So, it's, you know, we kind of get a little bit of best of both worlds on that. But yeah. So you were planning to do production right out of the gate with your brewery? Yeah, because of my background, I, you know, I wanted to have, the, I wanted to have a tap room and that kind of thing, but I did not want to get into food at all. Like I did not want to run a brew pub. So um, in Alabama, you're not allowed to self-distribute. Um, so if you're not going to have a brew pub restaurant, to me, then logically, and you were going to have to have a distributor, then, you know, to me, you needed to be set up to do some amount of production to supply a distributor and work with that um, to be successful. So we kind of went in with that mentality. So did that kind of help you um, since you opened at that very precarious time in February of 2020 and then a month later, you know, everything's shutting down. So I suppose that being a production brewery as well as a tap room probably helped you out a little bit. Well, it, it gave us a chance to pivot. We weren't ready to start canning at that point. You know, that had oh. been in the plans and the dreams, but couldn't afford to get a canning line to start the brewery with. So okay. we were just doing the tap room and drafts, trying to kind of get things going. Um, and then uh, when the pandemic hit, it was like, well, we need to start getting into grocery. Yeah. Uh, so we started mobile canning and that went really well. You know, that, that worked pretty well for us overall. Like the, the mobile canning folks were great. And uh, uh, it was, you know, a lot of work to schedule and do that. But we got into that as quick as we could. And sometime in mid to late April, we had gotten uh, three of our beers out in cans and started rolling on that. And then that really, yeah, picked us up through the year and then and showed that we had some potential. Uh, and so we were actually able to get our own canning line at the end of 2020. Oh, good. Um, yeah. So looking forward to like making the most of that this summer for sure. So what about the things like, I know um, Alabama is one of the States, like most other States that started to allow some different things for breweries like curbside pickup and online sales. Yeah. And such. How much did that help you? And where are you at with that now? State's been hit or miss on what they've done on that for us. Um, they they don't allow any kind of delivery. So there's actually a bill up now, finally, 
um, to allow home delivery from like shipped and Instacart and some other things like that, um, which, you know, I think would be great, um, though a year too late. Um, and they're also including uh, breweries and doing that as well. Um, so, you know, that'll be nice. But I, again, that's kind of too little too late at this point. Um, and then they did allow curbside service uh, at the beginning. They, they made a special state order to do that. And that's what really got us through March and April. Um, you know, we had just brewed our first hazy IPA and we're set to release it like late March, you know, after, uh, and then like, we were just like, everything shut down. We're like, what do we do? We found out we could do curbside, used our point of sale system to set up a website and start doing that. And then people were coming out for it and really supporting that. And we're like, well, hell, we already brewed this beer. Let's, uh, let's put it out and see what happens. And we got a huge response on that. And that kind of let us know that, oh, people want to support us and want to keep breweries going and they're going to come out for this kind of stuff. And so I think we went, yeah, a month, month and a half um just doing curbside but doing well enough with that to just like you know uh keep hope alive keep things going pretty good so yeah so along those lines then i guess since we all brought up covid and there's that's no, okay. basically when you opened what was yeah. some? i mean as a brewery owner like you know you know the challenges before covid as working in other breweries but as a brewery right, right, owner right. what what was one of the big some of the biggest challenges this past year um, just adapting to everything and trying to figure out, uh, you know, the best plan, plan forward and trying new things, seeing how they work and then, you know, making our best decisions. And, um, you know, and then in our area, having to kind of just go with the flow as much as you can on what everybody else is doing. You know, we've, what we've tried to do here is, uh, keep this place as safe as possible for people that want to come and patronize us and give people options. But like the Gulf coast has generally been much more open than the rest of the country mm-hmm. and a lot of places. And this summer there was a lot of, a lot of places that were kind of just wide open. And so as far as like curbside went, once everything kind of opened back up, the novelty of curbside wore off last summer for a <laughs> lot of people around here. Um, we've had a lot, we've still had several people that have continued to do that. And like, that's the only time we see them. Um, and so it's, it's nice that, uh, you know, I think it's great on that. And so we've just tried to keep all these avenues open to kind of cater to everyone as best as we can. It was, you know, figuring out our outside space and what we could do with that. Um, you know, how we could, set up the inside space so that you could come in and order with minimal contact and then go outside and sit. Or if you were determined to sit inside, how we could do that in a safe way and not make other people not feel like they could come in. So it's just been a constant like balancing act with like, uh, and then for us, like as soon as we got our outside space figured out, it got colder here. And then nobody wanted to sit outside. And cold here is like 55. You know, it's like, ooh, people don't want that. So, uh, wow, that's that's like balmy time. Like we were in Denver, and 
in December and everybody's outside dining in December and, <laughs> and it's yeah, 30 no. degrees. <laughs> it's 20. We're, we're wimps about the cold. It gets below right. 52 like for one or two nights a year. That's good. That, we're fine with that, you know. <laughs> Got to protect some of the citrus, and then you're okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your your body adapts really quickly to different climates, so oh, we've sure, learned that. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's just kind of been uh, trying to uh, trying to figure out what the the right decision to make has just been a constant, you know, uh, guessing and second guessing and and trying new things, and then just trying to go with the flow as much as possible. I mean. Uh, which sounds like if you're opening a new brewery, anyhow, some of those are going to come into play regardless of COVID or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you're going to have that one way or the other. So, yeah. Just got amplified a little bit. <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did you find a silver lining anywhere in all this or like what's something positive that could have come out well, of this? Case yeah. Of I mean, I I don't think we would have uh, jumped into cans as quick as we did. And that's done super well for us. I mean, we kind of set out to brew beer. You know, we, we wanted to brew beer uh, for this climate and for like doing these outdoorsy things like I was talking about earlier. And so it's beer that's perfect for six packs. Uh, so I don't know that we would have like taken the initiative as quickly as we did just because of, you know, cash flow and everything as far as like, started even with mobile canning um and so that we that went really well for us this year people really enjoy our beer in cans we've gotten you know our distributors gotten us and all over the two counties that you know we cover here um and so i don't know that i think that's been great and like having that going forward to have really made our name on that as quick as we did has been fantastic and i think it also was easier this year um you know, if you talk to uh, some other breweries, like with getting into some of the major chains, like a Publix, for instance, like generally you have to go to Lakeland and like present to the beer buyers there and da 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 to get authorized into that system. Um, you couldn't do that this year, so we didn't have to, and we still <laughs> were able to still put us into the Publixes. So like, I, there were some things that I think, yeah made made some of the hoops remove some of the hoops that you have to normally jump through you know with the distribution channels and, and, and that which is nice <laughs> so at least you got one little shortcut out of covid right <laughs> we had a couple of shortcuts on that but yeah and i think again just getting into cans uh at the start of the summer and this is well and i know you i know you guys see this everywhere there's a seasonal nature of beer buying but you know for us where you've got uh the beaches and stuff and very, you know, vacation friendly, like the swing from summer to winter for us is pretty big. Um, and so having had cans in April for the full summer season was, was really good. Yeah. Right. How have you seen like the response to your vendors such as Malt Europe or other vendors and like community support? How have you seen that come together through all this? Yeah, we've gotten a lot. I mean, we reached out to a lot of vendors at the beginning and, uh, you know, we had some uh, uh, some places like uh, uh, Hopgistics. I'll go ahead and give them a shout out who we do our keg leasing through. You know, they offered us uh, 
some immediate relief, you know, as far as like, hey, you could just pause, we could just pause this lease for a couple of months while we know you guys aren't able to do anything. And they've offered us, you know, they've been easy to work with as far as like, uh, they don't, yeah, them, our, our landlord also, like we've had, most of our vendors have had the attitude that uh, we don't want to see you go out of business. So yeah. we're going to give you, we're going to give you, you know, uh, a long leash and, and some help. And then, you know, other vendors uh, like Malt Europe uh, offering us, you know, net terms off the bat. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> you can say it. Yeah. Offering us terms off the bat, you know, for a young company, it can be really hard to get uh, net 30 terms or any kind of net terms. You know, a lot of places right. want COD and, you know, as in our first year pandemic or not, it's going to be tough yeah. to balance cash flow with that. So like vendors uh, like Malt Europe being more generous with that has helped out. And, you know, we've, we've managed to get through the year paying all our bills. So, you know, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that keeps everybody happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I would say speaking of happy, then what's, what's your passion about brewing in the brewing industry? Like what gets, what keeps you going with all this? Um, I guess it's, uh, it's the twofold thing of coming up with a new idea for a beer and then tasting it, you know, like <laughs> the, the, the coming up with the idea, writing a recipe, doing all that, and then finally getting to enjoy it and it be what you want it. Cause it's not always, you know, yeah, <laughs> I can be overly critical sometimes. And, I, and then, but then it's the fun of like, all right, the next time we make it, we're going to do da, 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 da. Um, so yeah, I think with beer, there's just so much you can do. There's always some new ingredient or new hop or whatever to try, new idea to try. So I, you know, that's, that's definitely the fun part. That's your chemist brain coming into play, I'd say. <laughs> uh, the tink for the tinkering, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, G Galen can uh, back up my uh, tinkering tendencies. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, has your chemistry background, do you think, helped your brewing more or hindered it more because you overthink some things? Or I don't know. <laughs> tell, tell me. Yeah, it's a balance on that. I mean, I, I did use my background to help set up like uh, a QC lab uh, at Lone Rider when uh, when we worked there, um, and have you know done some of that stuff here. Um, and then, yeah, it's that science, sciencey background of always wanting to experiment and, you know, change the variables and try again. And yeah, I just get carried away and want to change too much too soon. Um, you know, so I got to hold myself back on that, which, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which Galen was good at doing when we worked together. We, we yin and yanged each other pretty good on that. <laughs> I hope I didn't hold you back too much. No, no, no. You kept me from, uh, you, you kept me and, and uh, <laughs> reinforced the idea that you can't just dramatically change a flagship beer that a lot of people like just because, just on a whim, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you want to make a change, yeah, you need to like ease it in and you maybe need to try some things in some other beers, but just because you think it should be different doesn't mean that all the people buying the beer think it should be different. Right. And at the end of the day, you're in business to sell the beer, not to make just the beer you want to make. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's, you know, you can't get too carried away once you got something that uh, is working. But uh, well, and yeah. you mentioned this 
working at Lone Rider with Galen, I think that's another really interesting thing about the brewing community to me is, you know, you've, your, your brewery is Braided River and you talked about, you know, how the rivers kind of braid together and stuff. And that's the same as like the community of meeting people in the brew house or, or in the tap room or whatever. But I see it too in situations like this, where you worked with Galen at Lone Rider and now he's moved on to Malt Europe. He's, he's working at Malt Europe and you've got your own brewery now, but yeah, right. still your paths keep intertwining and braiding. And oh, for sure. <laughs> it's, cool. for sure. <laughs> it's interesting. Have, having that community too is so awesome because, uh, you know, we, we've tried some new beer styles and stuff here this year that I've had no, no experience with. And I've got people that I can just shoot a text message and be like, Oh, ha- how do you do da 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 da? You know, and it's like, you know, having that community of knowledge to kind of lean on and chat with people and, and everything is, is really awesome. And then, it's, you know, even as people move around, everybody just picks up new little things here and there. And, uh, you know, all of us trying to help each other out is, is nice. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So you said you were brewing some new styles that you hadn't brewed before and stuff. So yeah, that kind of leads into a question of where we wanted to go next was like, where do you see things going for the brewing community, at least in your area, you know, as far as that goes, or, or maybe even in general? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's going to be more just new styles. Uh, but uh, right now, um, you know, where we are, it's still it's IPAs and sours that are super popular here. Um, we also do one light beer, a Kolsch, and you're starting to see that trend a little bit more here where people are going for some more of the traditional sessionable light beers. But that was happening, you know, in other parts of the country mm-hmm. five plus years ago. So I think some of those, you know, uh, regional trends just start cycling around and some areas are earlier or later to the party. Um, yeah, I, I still, uh, I feel like people are adding everything you can possibly add to beer these days. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we won't run out of that, but it's always a surprise to see, you know, what somebody's done as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, hard waters definitely seems to be here to stay. Um, it's not one that I've found myself very passionate about, but you know, I'm not, don't have any hard feelings against it either, but uh, I kind of thought originally that was going to be like the, uh, what was it, not your father's root beer, like that oh, kind yeah. of, yeah. oh, this is everywhere, everybody's drinking it, and then like six months later, it was like done, it's like, well, no, it's not that, so. Yeah, um, it seems um, to be sticking around a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know, we've been playing around with, uh, and this isn't alcoholic, but the hop water like the hoppy refresher that Lagunitas does of just like, um, you know, just finding other ways of uh, hop delivery vehicles, I guess. Um, so yeah. you might see more of that, but I, I enjoy that. Just the, you know, nice sparkling water with some hop flavor to it. So, well, that kind of fits the area too, you know, you, the beach, the beach outing exactly. and, you know, you said kayaking and canoeing around there. Cause I yeah. know a lot of rivers and, swampy areas and stuff around that. and if you're gonna drink beer all day it's good to have some water too so you know yeah. having hop flavor in it not gonna yeah. hurt <laughs> right. 
So you're mentioning um, all these styles of beers and with 8,000 breweries still around the United States, like what's Braided River known for? So uh, probably it's duly our IPA, Hoppy by Nature, and then our uh, Sour, uh, Summer Crush, and Winter Crush. Uh, those really just took off this summer. I think we were, we were the first down here to really lean into doing a sessionable sour. Um, it's the, the summer version has passion fruit and sea salt. Uh, it's just super crushable, feels like summer kind of thing, um, and has a great sour taste to it. We also, what I thought was cool is it brought a lot of wine drinkers in. There were a lot of people that, uh, when they say they don't like beer or whatever, but we find out they're a wine drinker, like try this and like, oh, that works because it's fruity, it's acidic, it hits kind of the so same kind of things like as a, as a lot of like lighter, brighter wines, um, but you're not gonna drink a bottle of wine on the beach. So the summer crush was kind of really in the spot for people on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that still felt like a, I mean, there are plenty of places doing them, doing sours down here, but as far as just that, to kind of go all in and try to make that a flagship from the beginning was new. And I think that we kind of got known for that. And then the, uh, the IPA, uh, I went with, uh, I guess you could call, there was a, the modern IPA that was kind of popular on the East Coast before, uh, uh, before Hazy's got crazy, but just like a lower ABV IPA, uh, like 6% clean and, and clear, but with like very fruit forward hops. So the, our hoppy by nature, it's 6%, uh, drinks very dry and refreshing. And then it's a lot of mosaic Idaho seven, like very like mango pineapple kind of fruity thing going on to it. So, you know, not, a you know, a crush crushable for an IPA. So I think that was also, while it's something that's been done, it wasn't, it was a little more unique to our area. So I think that's caught on really well. Okay. And then it took us a while. I had not done hazies uh, and had done very little with lagers, but fortunately uh, an awesome brewer fell into my lap in April, just after the wow. pandemic. Uh, she had moved here uh, from California. Uh, her, uh, uh, following her boyfriend who was in the Coast Guard and uh, came looking for a job. And I was like, wow, you're super talented, but like, we just kind of feel like we're, we just closed everything down. I yeah. this out and like we brought her on and like, she had a lot of experience with hazies, uh, also a lot of like loggers and whatever. So she's kind of been running that for us. Uh, and then obviously adding to everything else uh, that's really, really diversified us because like right now in the coming weeks we have a uh, we're releasing a you know seven and a half percent hazy ipa with new zealand hops we're also releasing a mybach um and an alt beer and a you know a just released a lemon sour uh so like it's we're kind of we're able to kind of get all over the map on that so yeah we kind of you know we're I don't know, it's fun to kind of get that diversity of stuff uh, throughout and having, uh, having, a lot, having a team with a varying experience also is super helpful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's giving you quite the range of beers. So. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, Dave, have you heard of, uh, and are you planning on doing a cold IPA? 
A cold IPA? No, I haven't heard of that. It's like this new beer style. Um, it's it's a new spin on IPA, but it's essentially okay. just like a stronger IPL. Ah, okay. I could yeah. go for that. We, we did an IPL this fall, which, yeah, it was super tasty. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, it's like lager yeast and pilsner malt. So, like, okay. the idea is, like, cold, uh, meaning clean. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I like that. So, a super clean IPA, <laughs> as opposed to the regular West Coast clean IPA. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, That's cool. I also, I guess, speaking of new things that's on my to-do list at some point, but uh, the long boil stouts. Have you guys heard of those, where there, people long. are boiling for, like, 10 hours or something oh man no I've yeah something like that but i think more is like a, a like a what, how do i like a historic kind of way of doing it or something but i don't yeah, know if that's I, what this is or i had a friend describe to me and i tasted some of what he had done but like he was saying i think the pastry stout style maybe started this way but like he boiled for like 10 hours he did two mash runoffs and like the second one was just slowly running off while the first one boiled and i want to say like his finishing gravity was something like uh 17 18 plato um oh my God. down from like 30 or 40 um and it just wow it it tasted yeah, it tasted super thick, but super rich and whatever. And then they were talking about adding some other, uh, you know, it, flavorings like in that pastry stout kind of idea. Um, but anyway, we've been, we've kicked around the idea of doing that because, I mean, it seems entirely ridiculous, but like. Well, yeah, because the brew day is too short. Yeah, exactly. The brew day is yeah. too short, so you need to extend it a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We need to run <laughs> We need to run two mashes on a 10 barrel brew house and yield five barrels. That'll be great. <laughs> Super efficient. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So you are now a little over a little over a year into Braided River, at least yeah. as far as it being open. But you have a pretty extensive background in brewing and stuff. So what what would you say are some of your milestones over the years in your brewing career or even outside your brewing career? Um, oh, well, that's opening it up real big. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brew career. Uh, while at Lone Rider, uh, we won two GABF medals. Uh, that pr I'm pretty proud of. One for our Hefeweizen and one for Doppelbach. Um, and I was actually the one who brewed the Doppelbach, though it's Galen's recipe. So you know, co-credit. Good teamwork. <laughs> Um, but that was super cool when it's GABF medals. So I think that was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful to be able to pull that off here at some point. Um, but yeah, that's like, you, you know, everyone else in the countries entered into that and, you know, it means a lot when you're able to, uh, to get one of those for sure. And then I think just getting this place started was a massive milestone. <laughs> um, it definitely, uh, felt unattainable at the beginning and for a long way through the process. And then it went through lots of ups and downs of like, Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, this is not happening. I'm going to have to find a job or, you know, I'm going to have to find some other career, da da da, you know? So it's like, a uh, that was a real co roller coaster. So to actually, uh, pull it off and make it happen. is pretty awesome. 
So what would you say if someone came to you and said, I want to open up a brewery? <laughs> what would you say? I, I would ask them, are they independently wealthy? Because if they are, then go for it. Because if you just got money to burn, have at it. If you're not, then finding out how to get that money uh, is a process. <laughs> your hands on other people's money is, uh, yeah, it's like, it's a long road. So yeah, it's kind of start there, but like, you know, there's, uh, obviously thousands of people have figured it out, uh, you know, and I'm one of you know, several thousand, uh, that have managed to figure it out. But yeah, it's a, it's, a, if you know what you're doing and you've got a good plan and you can convince other people that it's a good plan, you know, you can make it happen. What's for you, what's the biggest reward so far? I don't know. I think it's, the, just the day-to-day, -day. like every now and then I actually just sit back and think like, wow, I opened a brewery and I work here every day and we do these things, you know, like, I don't know, just like being able to actually just live in the moment every now and then. Um, and also, and I managed to find some awesome people to work with, like every, you know, our, we've only got five people, uh, you know, and, uh, we all really like each other and get along and like, like having each other as coworkers. So like, I don't know, every now and then just like actually living the dream and realizing that I'm living the dream sometimes is, you know, super rewarding. Yeah. Nice. Cheers that's, to that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's very cool. I also noticed you have a lot of information on your website about sustainability practices and all the places that yeah. you want to go with that. Can you touch a little bit on your goals and what you're doing right now for sustainability? Yeah. And that's one of those things that like, uh, I feel like you want to try to start off on a good foot on and build good habits. You know, you can't do everything all at once, but um, when you start out with the right mindset, and it's the same as like QC in a brewery, if you just totally ignore it, then it's, it's a mess at some point. But like if you at least put in a good effort and you have some goals that you want to get to, you can eventually get there and you're going to be doing better QC than some other places. So the sustainability aspects kind of the same way. There's so many ways to be very wasteful, you know? And so if you can kind of start off with uh, some things in mind and try to figure out how to chip away at that, uh, you're only going to get better at it. And then, you know, taking like, we've partnered with some environmental organizations and having other people to kind of lean on and like come up with ideas for, but like, uh, you know, grain bags, uh, generally aren't recyclable because they're made up of a mixture of plastics. So there's a lot of just trash out of those bags. So we approached groups that do cleanups and we're like, Hey, would you be interested? You know, if we saved all our bags and you use them for, you know, trash pickups and stuff, cause that way you're not, you know, if it's going to go into the landfill anyway carrying other trash seems like a good use of right. use for that yeah. reuse so that you know that's been helpful um with like a plastic wrap instead of for our pallets of kegs instead of uh shrink wrapping them with a bunch of plastic wrap we've got um these big rubber bands that we bought a box of and we just rubber band the whole thing together and then our distributor just holds onto those and sends them back every so often and so like we've cut down on a ton of like stretch trap that way. Um, we've, uh, you know, the way we designed the brew house, um, 
we have like all the cold water that's used for like the heat exchanger or for our steam condenser. All of that is hard piped right back into the hot water tank. Um, and kind of the same thing where we have some loops set up so that any water that can be reused is going, you know, right back into a spot to be reused. Um, and then, uh, well, grain, like everyone else, our grain is uh, feeding some local livestock, you know. Um, so it's been trying to find just the best ways to look for those efficiencies and do things in a more mindful manner. Um, our, we're actually, because we're in the downtown entertainment district, um, people are allowed to walk with open containers all over downtown or within the entertainment district. And so that's one where the law actually requires that it's in a clear plastic cup. So, and there's not any like uh, recycling bins downtown if you're walking around. So that was one we were trying to figure out, all right, how do we keep, how do we not add as much plastic to that? And so we use, uh, it's the PLA plastic, which is corn based. So it's compostable. So it's, it's the best alternative we could find um, to just straight plastic. Uh, but like if it ends up in the landfill, it'll eventually comp, you know, compost or degrade. Um, but looking for like the little things like that, where, you know, where you see, oh, like shrink wrap or whatever, you see this waste being generated and like, how can you try to cut down that on, on that as much as possible? Has, in your experience with that so far, do you think it's really cost you a lot more in money or has it just been more having to just be more mindful of it and think about it more and plan it out more than it is a big cost? A little bit of both, you know. I think like creating the brew house in the way we did cost more at the time but I'm sure it pays off so and like the thing like the cups they're more expensive than cheaper plastic cups but I doubt that I've never like looked at the math on that mm -hmm. we're not doing so much of those that we can't be fine with that the shrink wrap thing actually like the rubber bands if our distributor wasn't sending us back those rubber bands it would be much more expensive to rubber band those keg pallets than you'd shrink wrap um, but once they agreed to, you know, they were happy to participate in that and we're like, okay, as long as we can reuse these a number, number of times, but you know, the shrink wrap is super cheap, but it's just like when you see all that plastic or when you, when some come back and you, you know, you unwrap that, you've got, you know, a boulder of shrink wrap to go throw right. away. It's like, gosh, this is, this is a lot of just <laughs> garbage right here. So you know, it's, it's, it's finding, it's finding ways to balance those costs. Like you say, like, all right, if this is going to cost more, as long as they'll send these bands back and we can reuse them well, the, the cost works out eventually. So. Yeah. That's good. Cool. All right. Kind of switching gears a little bit. I have, um, so while this interview series that we're doing is part of highlighting the craft breweries that Malt Europe works with, it's also part of highlighting craft brewers for American craft brewery week. Yeah. Um, are you planning on anything special for that event or any kind of different beer releases? Ah, yes. Ooh, well, this will be breaking news. Now, uh, late, late <laughs> the return of one of our, uh, our fans' favorite beers from last year, uh, Oops All Mango, which was a hazy IPA with mango puree. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a huge hit for us last summer. So I think actually that's going to time out for 
that'll time out for uh, nice. crappier week, which will be fun. That'll be a fun way to co-promote that. So is that actually an oops? No, it was just, you know, from the, the, the idea of like, it's the Captain Crunch oops all berries. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, and it's just like, I think the description I wrote was, was very tongue in cheek of like, oh, somebody left the mango valve open and, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, um, just kind of having fun with that, you know, yeah. Yeah. As I, far as we know, no one from General Mills listens to our podcast, so. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of fun, then what's your favorite style of beer and why? I mean, it's probably IPA. I try, I kind of drink everything, you know, but like my go-to is always an IPA. So uh, I think these days, I originally I didn't care for a lot of the hazier IPAs. Um, but I think what I realized what I didn't like was some have a, a – a real the hot burn sensation mm -hmm. um and i know a lot of people go for that it's just not my that's not to my taste um we do uh a lot of like hop stands and stuff on those so that we have a really smooth soft uh body and so i've really gotten into the hazies that we've been brewing um we do a hazy pale ale that's kind of become my like beach beer in that way but generally, like IPA is kind of my go-to, so. And um, Galen loved it when we asked him this question, so we have to ask it for you too. So if you were a beer, what beer would you be? <laughs> I don't know that I've got a good answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Something, uh, well, maybe, maybe an IPA because I am always tinkering with the IPA in one way or the other, you know? <laughs> yeah, but what does that have to do with your character? Come on, like get, get a little creative here. Uh -huh, like your uh -huh. character and your your unique style of you how would it be well, that, that, you know like i was saying earlier i'm always trying to change things and so the ipa okay. at least mine is changing a lot yeah <laughs> well and now we know we have a cold ipa coming around so exactly so <laughs> no yeah cold. category wise yeah it's all over the map on on what <laughs> what you're doing uh process wise so that i, I can be a little bit of that okay we'll go with that all right. Did did you have anything else you wanted to add or think? Um, you did. I don't know. I probably covers everything, but yeah, it's just been a um, been an interesting year. So looking forward to this one. Uh, I hope you guys uh, make it down to the Gulf Coast sometime and come by and have some beers. We're a little disappointed in ourselves because his brother actually lives in Foley, so oh, we yeah. spend a decent yeah. amount of time in Gulf Shores, like Orange Beach, Foley, you know, around yeah. that area. But we've never really made we, much of an effort to head up towards Mobile. Yeah, I mean, I think that that happens because you're down on the beach and you've got everything down there. So Mobile is a pretty cool town, though. Um, it is uh, is a really great place to live. So yeah, and yeah. now there's a handful of breweries around. Da da da. But yeah, I mean, in the summertime, I go to the beach too. So it's yeah. yeah. Well, but now we have a reason to go there. Exactly. Graded exactly. River. <laughs> and you can find our beer down in gulf shores too so you know at least pick up some packs yeah <laughs> yeah so when we were last there was um may april. of last year april and okay. may. so your beer probably wasn't quite down there just yet yeah, just yeah like in just a few places would have been you know package stores or something but not like major things yeah well and one more question is what makes galen so awesome <laughs> 
For podcast <laughs> listeners, Galen's face was quite funny when you asked that question. <laughs> I, I think he Galen's just a cool hang. You know, he just seems like a cool guy. And when you hang out with Galen, you just feel like, oh, I'm hanging around with somebody pretty cool. You know, I don't know how he does, but like maybe if he used to play in bands and yeah. used to ride a motorcycle or something. He just got a, he's like, oh man, Galen's a pretty cool dude. I know. We've only known him for a month or two and I've already got that feeling. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start answering that question the same way exactly as you did like in the third person man when you're hanging out with galen nothing better man <laughs> well i would have to say cheers until we can all hang out together at Freight Heck River. yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah we'll have to make an appointment down there for all of us to get together yeah no let me let me know for sure uh when you're when you're around so all right oh, we cool. definitely will all right well <laughs> did you have anything to add galen no, David, thanks again for doing this. Um, you know, and I'm glad that yeah, you guys are continuing to do well. Um, you know, I think brewers by nature are innovative and very adaptable. And I'm very glad for that because, you know, you guys have had to deal with a lot of stuff this past year. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah for sure. Cool. All right. Well, Thank with that, you. cool. Well, cheers. And uh, here's to several more years of Braided River. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> I love Galen's... Um, actually last quote I think he said like brewers by nature are innovative and very adaptable and I'm very glad for that because you've had to deal with a lot of stuff this past year and I have to say that I'm very glad for that because we like the brewery the breweries and the beer for the community just as much as everybody else does so it's just I'm very glad for the beer so yeah thank you David <laughs> and all the other brewers that have put up yeah. with so much crap this past year and just opening a brewery in the first place is tough so I mean, honestly, I'm, you know, it would have been really easy for a lot of, well, I shouldn't say easy, but, you know, a lot of breweries could, that, that we like to go to have had to jump into canning and like David had to jump in earlier than he wanted to, but, you know, most breweries have had to do some sort of packaging to survive this whole last year or so, but I'm really thankful that most of them have been able to find a way to stay open in some fashion you know, so that we could still have a, at least a, a little bit of that community. It's not the same as we want and that we are used to, but it, it I mean, it's starting to come back. It's now. getting back. But, but during that, that whole year of not having a normal brewery, it's, I'm really thankful to have the brewers yeah. and stuff that really went out of their way to, to keep it special and to, to just keep foraging on. Adaptability, baby. Adaptability. <laughs> So we're glad that you guys hung out with us again um, because Kenny and April are really quite cool. That's why you hang out with us. Especially when we talk about ourselves in the third person. Or I mean when they talk about themselves in the third person. If Galen can do it, we can do it. <laughs> we can do it. But like many things in life, you can do it. But should you should do you? it? <laughs> Actually, you know what you should do? You should check out Mall Europe at malteeuropemaltingco.com m-a-l-t-e-u-r-o-p-m-a-l-t-i-n-g c-o.com or actually better yet just go to our show notes and you can just click the link <laughs> that's a lot easier than trying to remember that yeah. especially since they dropped the e off of europe 
That's a whole. <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. You know what else you should also do? Stop listening to Kenny. Don't really do that because we need you to listen to our podcast. But you know what else you should really do? <laughs> Selective <Is> hearing. <laughs> also, join our craziness. Uh, join Kenny in April at, for those of you who always listen, you know exactly where I'm going with this, Camp yeah. Carpadium in October. Oh. That's what you should do. You should. And then you really get to know us, and maybe you'll even get to know some brewers, and you'll get to know some other crazy people who know us, and we'll get to know some strangers who we don't know yet, because we're building a continual tribe of people that we love to hang out with, and we know you want to hang out with us. And you get to explore the beautiful, uh, very beautiful part of Colorado, and we're going to be staying in just outside of Ure, Colorado. Which O-U-R-A-Y. Yeah, I see it. Um, so yeah, check, check that out. That's in the show notes as well camp carpe diem c-a-r-p-e-c-a-r-p-e-d-i-e-m dot com that's october 7th through the 10th um, you've totally got that whole melodic i do camp carpe diem spell out thing down to pat now yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect you have perfected it you know what else you should do oh you should subscribe you should share this podcast with your friends that you think might like it leave us a review and keep drinking good beer yeah. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. That was like record tone right there. That was a good one. Oh. That. Peace out. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This stout conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.